today we are in Mosiah 18. And this is really awesome. It's the story you guys know of Alma is hiding at the waters of Mormon. And he slowly comes into the city um, little by little and teaches people and changes them and preaches what he hears Abinadi teaching. And it's such a cool story. I love it. And some of the things that I really love in this story is in verse 1, it says, And now it came to pass that Alma, who had fled from the servants of King Noah, repented of his sins and iniquities, and went about privately among the people and began to teach the words of Abinadi. I love that it emphasizes that because it isn't when he cries out and defends Abinadi to the king. It isn't when he finally, his heart is penetrated and he realizes they're wrong, that that's repentance. That isn't repentance. Repentance is work and it's not instant. It is a desire to change. It is recognizing that guilt. It is calling on the name of the Savior. And all of that is so important, but that leads to, to repentance. And I love that in Alma the Younger story as well. I think it's so neat that we have that with Alma the Father and Alma the Younger, both of them, because it's such a great study of what repentance is. And I love that both go and teach the people and try to fix or correct what they have done wrong. And that's really a cool thing to try and correct the wrong things and to be an example. And there was a conference talk that talked about that repentance not only fixes us, but fixes those who we have affected negatively. And they used Alma the Younger as an example. So I really, really loved that. That conference talk was really good, um, huge for me because I love that it talked about that, that that the atonement not only fixes what's wrong in our life and corrects it, but it fixes what we've done to others and corrects it. And that's so cool. And he used Alma the Younger as an example. And I love that in verse 2, what he taught the people is he taught them Christ. And it's that scripture, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, we teach of Christ that our children may know. I love that because that is what we are called to teach. I have noticed um, in seminary when I teach and I get frustrated feeling like the lesson didn't go well, one of the things that we finally come around to or finally realize is every lesson has got to center on Christ. And missionaries learn that. You can teach Joseph Smith. That's so important. But it has to do with Christ. It all has to do with Christ. And I think that's so evident in what President Nelson is trying to emphasize with our church's name, with our church's logo, with everything. It all has to do with Christ. And here it is summed up in verse 2. He teaches Christ. And then I love that in three, it emphasizes anyone that he was not a respecter of persons, just like Christ, just like our heavenly father. He loves all. He wants all. We are all his children. And that's emphasized in verse three. And then four through seven, it talks about him living there, which means he gave up by the waters of Mormon, excuse me. He gave up a life of luxury. He is sacrificing everything. He is hiding from the king. So yes, he's got water, but he doesn't have a whole lot else. He doesn't have a home. He's not living comfortably. And I love that because God does allow us 
to sacrifice for him because he blesses us for what all things will be made up to us. But also it is proving that he comes first, that he matters most above all. So I love that that is really illustrated in these verses with Alma. What a great example. Okay, verse 8 He then talks to these people that he's gathered. And as we go from 8 to 10, he orchestrates for them what it means to become the children of Christ, to be baptized. And I love this. And as he goes through, he says, are you desirous? And this is what he says. If you are desirous to be one of Christ's children and to be in his fold, then this is what you covenant. To bear one another's burdens that they may be lighter. Mourn with those that mourn, comfort those that stand in need of comfort, and witness of God at all times. That's what it means to be his people. And there is a really awesome conference talk by Elder Holmes that I just listened to, and he talks about being one in Christ. That's what that is. We become one in Christ doing those things. When um we were married in the temple, my husband and I, President Irene, was my next door neighbor growing up is still my parents next door neighbor and he married us and he used this scripture and talked about the need for us to become one in Christ that we when we got married become one in our desires with each other to join with Christ and I love that so this scripture this story is so um beautiful to me and so personal to me because President Irene used it in our wedding Okay, and then it tells us, then he says, okay, then what have you against being baptized? If you want to do those things, then guess what? You can be baptized. And then he outlines what we covenant in baptism. We covenant to serve him and we covenant to be obedient to his commandments. And he covenants to pour out his spirit more abundantly. And I think that's so key. That doesn't mean they didn't have it. It doesn't mean you can't be inspired. What it means is you covenant and you can have it more abundantly. One of the things I loved that my mom recently told me is she said that my dad and her, my dad and my mom, (laughs) as they were studying scriptures and doing their daily routine, it, it came to their attention from something they listened to, that they should be praying to have the Spirit as their constant companion, that they should be inviting Him to be that. And she was very emotional as she said, I am so grateful for the last year or two that we have gotten to a habit of doing that. And she said, it's so important now that Dad is gone. Every day I start with, please be my constant companion so I'm not lonely, so I don't feel alone, so I can be on the Lord's errand. So I really love that it says more abundantly, not that they didn't have it, but that they could have it more abundantly. That's such a gift that we have access to that. Okay, and I I also love that it says that um, when we receive the Holy Ghost, that it's our choice to receive it. So that goes so much with it. And then I love in 11 that they clap their hands with joy. They are so excited for this opportunity. And that makes me so happy. In verse 12, Alma takes Helam and they are buried in the water. And this so... um, mirrors what Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery did. Um, Joseph and Oliver, it's the same thing with the first one. Joseph baptized as Oliver and then um, 
Oliver baptizes him. And I love that both Alma and Helam are buried in the water. And then Alma, that covers Alma's baptism too. And then he baptizes 204, 204 people. Can you imagine? That's so cool. Okay. Um, let's see. 13, the spirit poured through him. He prayed and the spirit poured through him and he had this priesthood ordinance. That's so cool that um, he prayed. He didn't know it, but the spirit inspired him. That's so cool. And then 17, they will be called the church of Christ. I think that's so interesting. It's exactly the same name. And that's why President Nelson has felt it so strongly we're we're this is not the only time that we have that the church was called the church of christ it's so important that people know we are the church of jesus christ i love that and then in 18 it does tell us he received alma received that priesthood authority from god it's very clear in verse 18 where he got that and then 19 he ordains others and tells them to only teach the things of the prophets and that's something our church has really emphasized we don't go to the internet we teach what we have been taught by our prophets and our apostles. We definitely have more than enough in just our standard works and in what we have at LDS.org and um, our prophets and our apostles at conference. It's not possible for to listen to everything they have given us. So we really don't need to look anywhere else. And then in verse 20, I love that he says, preach nothing, save it be repentance and faith. How easy is that? He simplifies it so clearly. And again, in Elder Holmes' talk, he says, choose to become more like the Savior. That basically covers it. That's it. Choose to repent and have faith and become more like him. Okay, um, 21, when it talks again about commanding them that there should be no contention and that they should have one eye, one faith, one baptism, what he's talking about is becoming one in purpose. Okay, um, he talks about observing the Sabbath, gratitude, work, as often as in their power in verse 25 together. I love that because it's not in our power right now. This is very much um, an outline like we've had in previous times in the Book of Mormon of how to live after the manner of happiness. So I really love here that it says as often as it's in your power because it's really not in our power right now. So that is an important thing, but we can gather in our homes and we'll be blessed. Um, 26, rely on God. We need his blessings. 27, to give, to be charitable as much as you have power to give. And I love that the church never dictates how much that is. We give tithing 10%, but fast offering they never say. And that's because it is a choice. And we are blessed according to our will and according to our choice. And then in 29, that they will be given according to their needs and wants. And I think that's so important that it says that, not just needs, but needs and wants. And that's super important. We need to remember that, that people be blessed, not just according to their needs, that we aren't um, like tight-fisted, that we are charitable, that, that God also cares about our wants and our desires. And I think that's really important. Um, 30, 
Oh, that the waters of Mormon became a very sacred place. It says here, how dear they are. And I love that, that it became sacred because of these ordinances that happened there. And because of this church and these people that gathered. I love that. Okay, in 32, the king starts thinking that there's this revolt. He he um, accuses Alma and wants him taken. And it's because all of a sudden there are people, obviously, who want more in their life. What the king has set up for them is not enough. Enough. And so it isn't that Alma has orchestrated this rebellion. It's that his people, um, wicked King Noah's people, know there is more, that they could have more, and that more is God. And I love that. The people are not content in the old way. They want God in their life. And then in 34, it says that Alma and his people were apprised, which means if you go to the footnote in chapter 23, verse 1, he was warned of God. And we were told always many, many times in the scriptures that God, we are promised that God will warn us if we are living righteously. And he does it to Lehi. There's many examples. And he will do it in our lives if we are living the way we should live, he will always warn and safeguard and protect us when danger is coming. And so I love that. And then I really love that it tells us in 35 that their numbers were about 450 souls. And I don't know if it's like everywhere else in the Book of Mormon where that's only counting men and not women and children. But that is a ton of people. That is a lot of people. And the thought I had with that is here's Abinadi who comes and he preaches to these wicked priests and to wicked King Noah. And how discouraging. I mean, it's two years. We know he preaches to them. They chase him out. And then God tells him to come back. It's two years later. He teaches again. And how discouraging as a prophet to think, why, Heavenly Father, why? Nothing is changing. These people aren't changing. Do you see how hard-hearted they are? How discouraging. And right before he is burned, he does hear Alma plead for him. And so he does have an idea that maybe Alma's heart has been pricked, but that's it. And then he dies. And I just think, oh my gosh, can you imagine the joy as Abinadi looks down from heaven, and of course then the veil is not there, so he already has a knowledge of all things, and he's already a prophet. But I just can't help but thinking, what joy to know one heart can change 450 people. What an amazing thing. And you and I have no idea the influence that we have. We don't know. I think of my dad who the last year of his life would say, I don't know why the Lord didn't use me for more. I don't know why I didn't do greater things. And here's this man who raised 10 children and his posterity is 68 people who thought he really was nothing more than just a husband and a father. Or at least that seems what his thoughts were the last year of his life. And the thing that has come to me again and again and again is this image of my dad up in heaven just smiling with the biggest grin because he gets it. He gets that by waking up every day and determining to be steadfast and to follow the Lord and be immovable, he 
did it. And man, the far reaching effect that has had on so many. And my mom has said, I just love that dad had no idea how many people were affected by him. The notes, the cards, the messages, it is just so touching to see how many people loved my dad, but I know what a far-reaching effect he had in my life and in the life of my kids. And so I just love that Abinadi probably had no idea the far-reaching effect he had in this community. But look what the conversion of Alma led to. 450 people, and that could just be men and their wives and their children, but it will grow from there. We'll continue the story and we'll see. And that's all because one man chose to repent, chose to change his life and to follow God. And that is the importance of repentance, who we can become. And that is an incredible story. The church is true and God loves you.